Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, America. America. Technical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer <laughs> new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 67 of Soccer New Rock in America. We're going to talk about games from January the 21st through 27th. That's Friday through Thursday. I am your host, Soccer Noob, and I am truly new to the game. I am joined, as always, by my nine-year-old daughter co-host, Person Noob. Hello! And we quote-unquote rock America by asking you to join us on our learning journey and doing mini-previews of the best, most intriguing matches from around the world as we define them. When I say around the world, I mean anywhere. We span the globe. And as I'm sure our theme song indicates for you, there will be uh, some silly humor coming along the way as well. Try to keep things fresh and interesting. So, no further ado, let's kick things off with... March number one! We're going to start by looking at the AFC Women's Asian Cup. This is the Continental Championship for the women's national teams over there. Uh, They are down to the final group stage where there are three groups of four remaining. The top two are going to advance from each of the groups as well as the two best number threes uh, to make that uh, nice and neat for the bracketed round of eight. Now, what's extra exciting about this tournament is that the top five teams are also going to advance to the World Cup. This is doubling as a World Cup qualifier for next year. In addition to that, uh, the sixth and seventh place finishers will still have a chance to make the World Cup. They will qualify for what are called inter-confederation playoffs. They'll be playing teams from North America or South America, someplace else in the world. In any case, the match we're going to look at here at the start of the group stage is Japan versus Myanmar, and uh, they're going to be playing, as are all the teams in India. This one's going to be held in the city of Pune. I believe everything there is going to be in either Puve, Mumbai, or Navi, Mumbai. In any case, the reason I've decided to focus on this particular one is Japan is a very, very good team. We want to learn a little bit about them, and then Myanmar a team we probably know a lot less about. I certainly did. But looking at the rankings, this is one of those teams that should probably just barely be able to qualify for the World Cup or one of those ICPO slots. In any case, we'll start with Japan. They are the hosts on paper anyway. The gals are rated number three in the AFC and number 13 worldwide by FIFA. They qualified automatically for this event by winning the 2018 version. In fact, they've won the last two, so they took the title in 2014 as well. Uh, In 2011 in the World Cup, by the way, uh, they won that over the USA in the final, in fact, and that was the first time an Asian team had ever won the World Cup title. The last iteration, 2019 World Cup, they made the round of 16. I believe the most important player for them is going to be a gal named Mana Iwabuchi. She's a forward, plays for Arsenal right now over in the English Super League. Uh, 
And uh, she was previously with Aston Villa. She has earned 81 national team caps since 2010. What's interesting with that forward position she plays, she's not very tall, she's not very strong, but she is very, very soundly technical, one of the best in the world. In fact, what they like to do is play a 4-4-2 formation over there, which allows her to play a position of second striker. So she'll, she, uh, she might be looking to do more assisting than scoring. Another key name we want to look for, visit, is their captain, Saki Kumaga. She's a defensive midfielder, and her resume pretty much speaks for itself if you know anything about international women's football. 2013 through 21, she was one of the bedrocks of the mighty side from Lyon over in France, the best team in the world for many, many of those years. She is now with Bayern Munich, which in my opinion might be the newest best team in the entire world. And she has well over 100 national team caps. She's been playing for the national team since 2008. And we do have the USA connection, by the way. They've got a forward. She's just 21 years old. Not sure how much playing time she'll get, but her name is June Endo, and she just signed with Angel City, one of the new expansion teams uh, for the NWSL, the top flight league here in the United States. But despite her young age, she already has 21 national team caps to her credit. As far as the team's form, I don't know how much stock you can put in friendlies, but they were 0-1-1 in the two they've played fairly recently. And then last summer in the Olympic group stage, they went just 1-1-2. and Does that look poor enough? Uh, perhaps not, but we shall see for Myanmar to maybe be able to get a result out of this. Uh, they are known as the Lionesses. They are ranked number 10 of all the women's national teams in Asia, number 47 worldwide by FIFA. They had to play in the qualifying stage prior to this group stage, in a different group stage, and they went 3-0-0 in that with a 14-0 goal differential, very much the class of that group, obviously. Uh, they have made four group stage appearances before the event proper if you will, for this event. Most recent one, though, was just a little ways back, 2014, their last one. Uh, they've always had a lot more success in the sub-confederation championship called the AFF, which is basically, uh, depending on the year, 8 to 12 teams in Southeast Asia, not a qualifier for anything, but they have championships every other year, and they've won two of those titles most recently in 2007. Now, it was a little hard, to be perfectly honest, uh, despite the fact that there seemed to be a slightly rising force in Asia, to find a bunch of super current information about them. But I will say this, as of the 2020 Olympics, it looks like every single one of their players was with Myanmar clubs. I don't think they're at a point where they're moving players on internationally too much. The most capped player that they currently have is Kin Mo Wai. She's a midfielder. Uh, she's uh, got 63 appearances with the national team. I know very little about the league there as well, but I will say that in 2016, most record I could find, recent record I can find, she was with a club team called Thitsar Arman. Match number B. That's right, daughter dearest, person who down with number two and in with number B. We don't like to use the former phrase. We hope you'll join us in our revolution regarding it. Now, so... The second match is going to be not so much a match. And by the way, this is going to be a Saturday event. An event is the key word. It's called the South African Compact Cup. It's the first ever edition of this. And it's just fascinating to me because this is not the first time that they've done an exhibition at least similar to this. Now, uh, before I give a further explanation, I want to thank 
Swellile and Bele on Twitter uh, for part for providing me what little information I have on this. I was have, having a bit of trouble finding very much on my Google machine. He was able to confirm what I had, clarify a couple little things. Now, the South African Premier Soccer League is a little bit halfway over. Uh, halfway through their season. And yet the next two weekends, they're going to take a timeout and players from every team are going to be involved in this four team exhibition. Here's what they've done. And I gather it was uh, voted on mostly uh, by viewers. It's being all put on by the league and their corporate sponsor DSTV. I don't think they're deciding who goes in and out of the game in real time. That did happen in an event, I believe last year, but in any case, viewers, fans, they're going to have a chance or have had their chance to vote on which players from each of the 16 teams are going to take part in this. So from all 16 teams, they've whittled it down to four. It's four regional teams. So uh, there's two different coastal teams, one from the uh, east and west, I believe, and then two inland teams that are also geographically oriented. And they're just going to have this four-team exhibition the next two weekends And it's all a part of sort of uplifting and elevating the game in South Africa, trying to make it even more popular. And again, right in the middle of their league season. Now, that's about all I know about it. Obviously, this isn't a qualifier for any other international events or national events. It doesn't affect anything with their Premier League. But I've never heard of anything like this before done at this level, sort of an all-star game of sorts. So hopefully, if this is enough, to interest you in finding out more, you can go uh, down your own uh, Wikipedia or Google machine rabbit trail. Match number three. And our third match is already taking us to Sunday. We're going to go to the Premier League England for at the time I scouted it, the table looked like this. Number seven, Manchester United taking on number four, West Ham. You can catch this big one, by the way, at uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time here in the U.S. on Peacock. Manchester United trail Tottenham by one for the Europa Conference League berth at stake. Meanwhile, West Ham, this is a big one for them if they can get any kind of result on the road because they lead Arsenal by two for the last Champions League berth. Top four teams and move on to that event at the end of the year for next year, I should say. Manchester United did win a match earlier this season between the two when they played uh, when they were on the road, rather, one to two. And they have really owned West Ham in the recent series. Uh, Manchester United have a 16, eight and five record. And since you know so much about these teams, probably as a likely soccer lifer, I'm not going to pretend that I know more than you. I'm going to teach us other things about Ham instead of doing the traditional mini match preview because we love ham on this show. We're going to learn about more than the food. We're going to learn all manifestations of ham. Today, that's going to be what's called the Hamiltonian group of symplectomorphisms. Yeah. In mathematics, now, a symplectic uh, morphism or symplectic map is an isomorphism in the category of symplectic manifolds. Now, in classical mechanics, a symplectomorphism represents a transformation of phase space that is both volume-preserving and preserves the symplectic structure of the phase space. Wow, excuse me. And that is called a... I apologize, bear with me. And that is called a, a canonical... Transformation. Oh, this was an error in judgment. This hurts the brain. It's worse than an ice cream headache. Yeah. Oh, I got to I got to get out of this. Let's just move on to match number four. The management, uh, the number, the match four sounder for person who 
come on, help a little help here, please. Leave me struggle. I know how to get out of this. Remember that? Remember that number B thing? Watch. Number two. Number two. <laughs> Number four. We're going to be on Sunday matches now until I alert you that our weekend is done. Match number four. We're going to take a look at the race in the Netherlands. The top flight is called the Air DVC. This is the number seven ranked league in all of UEFA. As such, they get two Champions League berths and then two more in the tertiary tournament, the Europa Conference League that's having its first year right now. Your matchup, number one, PSV Eindhoven versus number B, Ajax. The table, PSV lead Ajax by one. Ajax in turn lead the other team that uh, helps make up the big three in this country, Feyenoord, by six. So Feyenoord aren't out of it, but they're really rooting for these two teams to tie. They don't want to see either one of them get a full three points. When they played earlier this season, Ajax dominated at home with a 5-0 win, and they have the better record in recent years against them with a 12-7-8 record. You can catch this one online, 8.30 Eastern Time U.S. on ESPN+. First, we'll take a look at Eindhoven, PSV. Uh, that's a city in the southeast part of the country, about 750,000 in the Brabantian area. Uh, it is not in and of itself really rural, but it is very much supported by a lot more of the rural supporters in the country. And they like to chant uh, in their language, peasants or farmers. That's the team's nickname. They're also known as the light bulbs because of the Phillips company that I believe helped found the team. On the field, the Champions League, they won the title. I'm not even sure it was called the Champions League then, but in 1987-88, they actually won what is now the Europa League uh, title a decade before that. Uh, this year in the Europa League, they finished in third place in the group stage. That forced them to drop down to the Europa Conference League. They're in the round of 16 now and are about to face off against Maccabi Tel Aviv. Domestically, they've won 24 league titles. Most recent one was 2017-18. Last year, they finished in second place. Uh, this year, a top three defense, but the offense is where they've really had it going. They score over two and a half goals per match. They've got the second best assist man in the league in Cody Gakpo, a homegrown winger, just 22 years old, although he's been here since 2016 uh, between their uh, youth team and their senior team came up with them. And he's very fast if you're watching this game and very pacey and beyond excellent dribbler, excellent with the ball. Their all-around best player, though, I think is Ibrahim uh, Sangare. He uh, represents for the Ivory Coast, central midfielder, 24 years old. And finally, we've got a USA connection here, Richard Ledzema. This is the team he's with. Uh, midfielder, just 21 years old, but he's already got three goals on the season. Uh, this is not his first European team, though. He played with uh, Toulouse, which I suddenly can't remember if they are. Most of the time I've been following football, they've been in the French top league. They might be in the second division now. In any case, he was with them from 2016 through 20, and he has been linked with uh, moves to the Premier League, most prominently Southampton. Team's current form, they have won five straight matches, with a very impressive 11-2 goal differential. Now, from Amsterdam, Ajax, your traditional true power here. I said there was a big three, but really it's a very big one and a fairly big next two. This is the number 17 ranked UEFA club. 
whole continents, just behind Roma to give you some perspective from Serie A. Uh, a did you know fact here, because I didn't know it at the very least, a USA connection for the team. Between 2003 and 2007, they supported a team called the Orlando IS. I, try that again. The Orlando IX Prospects, which was in the Premier Developmental League, which was in the, uh, the third or fourth division here in the U.S. Doesn't exist anymore. They've won four Champions League titles. Most recent one was back in 1994-95. Uh, this year, they're still alive in the Champions League. They're in the knockout stage, round of 16, and about to face off against one of the big three from Portugal, Benfica. Domestically, 35 league titles, and they are the defending champions. Number one offense and defense, but the offense, wow, scoring over three goals per match. And that defense, how are they not in first place? They've only given up four goals in 19 outings. It's just cartoonish. Uh, number one league score is theirs to boast of uh, Sebastian Holler. He's a French-born forward. Reps for the Ivory Coast, though. He's got 10 caps with them since 2020. Uh, European footy fans uh, from even bigger leagues should know him. He played for Eintracht Frankfurt over in Germany and then uh, West Ham in the Premier League. But I think they're all around best guys. Number one uh, assist leader in the league, Dusan Tadic. Uh, 33-year-old veteran, so he was born in the former Yugoslavia, has over 80 national team camps for Serbia, where he's repping now, and he spent four years with Southampton. That seems, seems to get a lot of mentions for me today. They've also got the best goalkeeper in the league, at least if you're looking at clean sheets, because he's almost got twice as many as anybody else, despite the fact that he's 38 years old, still getting it done at a high level, uh, put up 13 shutouts so far this season. He has spent his entire career with various teams in the Netherlands. This team's current form, they have won four straight uh, with a perfect 14-0 goal differential. Match number five. And now we head to Africa for the AFCON, which is the championship tournament for their national teams. And they've gotten out of the group stage and are now in the knockout stage. This is the round of 16. The most interesting match to me looked like it was going to be Burkina Faso versus Gabon. It's going to be played in Limbe, which is in Cameroon, where all the matches are being hosted. The winner is probably going to get Nigeria. Nigeria is uh, one of the better teams in Africa and got a very, very good draw for the knockout stage. As far as the recent series between these two, Gabon have had the best of it with a 3-2-1 record. But we will start with the team that is listed as the home team on paper, Burkina Faso. They are known as the Stallions. Uh, they're just rated as the 11th best team in Africa, number 60 by FIFA overall worldwide. Never qualified for a World Cup. As far as here in the AFCON, the best finish they've ever had, number three, which they managed in 2013. Last appearance was in 2017. They finished in fourth place. In the group stage for this iteration, they finished in second place in Group A. They went 1-1-1 one, one, and one with a 3-3 three and three goal differential. That put them three points behind Cameroon for the group title. And then they finished tied on points in the table with Cape Verde, but they had beaten them, and that head-to-head -head was the first tiebreaker. Cape Verde also advanced, by the way, as one of the uh, better number threes. Key player to be looking for for this team is going to be Edmund Tapsova. He is a center back, 22 years old, uh, plays over in the Bundesliga Germany with uh, Bayer Leverkusen. He's also got 16 national team appearances since 2016, and he plays center back, but he does help set up the offense a little bit more than average than the, uh, than the average defensive player. He is uh, primarily a passing center back, if you will. 
And now Gabon, they are the Panthers, ranked number 19 in the uh, African Confederation, number 89 by FIFA. They too have never been to a World Cup, but they've been as far as the quarterfinals two different times in this event, the AFCON, most recently 2012. 2017 was their last appearance, and they only uh, they were kicked out in the group stage. The group stage this time, they finished in second place in Group C. That was two points behind Morocco and two points ahead of the tiny little island country of Comoros, which at the time I scouted this, it was not known whether or not they were going to advance, but they were still uh, very much mathematically alive if they were to finish in third place. This team in their group stage went 1-2-0 and with a 4-3 goal differential. Key man to look for, no surprise here, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, their French-born striker who plays for Arsenal in England. Uh, he has uh, struggled or kind of been frozen out some this year, to be perfectly honest, in league play. Just four goals and assists so far. So the guy who I think is going to have to pick up some of their slack Best candidate is Jim Alavina. He's a midfielder for them, French-born, uh, two goals on the season. He plays for Claremont over in League One in France. He's got 16 national team caps, a fair amount of experience since 2019. Household Kitties telling us in their own special way that it's time for us to take a break from tracking the upcoming week's matches and do a recap of last week's matches. Ask and Kitty shall receive, as shall you. Match number one was a Friday match from the Premier League in Lebanon, where number one ahead took on number B, Shabab Sahel, and it was ahead winning 3-0. There was no change in table position there. Match number B from the Premier League in, in England. Number one, Man City took on number B, Chelsea. Man City won 1-0, and that knocked Chelsea down to third. Sunday, we remained in the Premier League for number six, Tottenham, playing host to number four, Arsenal, but that match was postponed. Match number four was from the AFCON group stage, where we had the Gambia taking on Mali, and came out with a 1-1 draw. A possible man in the match that we said to look for sure was Musa Barrow, got a game-tying goal by via penalty in the 90th minute. So, Gambia and Mali are now tied on points, but the Gambia lead because of the head-to-head tiebreaker. Match number five was to be from India's Super League. We had the top two with Kerala Blasters in number B, Mumbai City, but that match was postponed. Match number six from the Primera División Femenino, the women's side of things in Spain. We were going to look at number B, Real Sociedad, taking on number one, Barcelona, but that match was postponed as well. Match number seven, from the Kenyan Premier League, not postponed. Yay. Number B, KCB, played host of number one homeboys, and it was a shootout with the homeboys winning two to three, and that knocked KCB all the way down to number four. Match eight came to us from the Championnat Nacional of Togo, where we had number one uh, Dynamique Togo Lays playing number B Togo Port, and the result was Dynamique winning two to nil, and that put Togo Port all the way down to fourth place, which is outside of the playoff picture in the league. Only the top three from each of the two groups get to move on to the postseason. Monday, match number nine from Israel's Premier League, number B Hapoel Be'er Sheva took on number one Maccabi Haifa, and the result was a Haifa win one to two. There was no change in table position here. Thursday, match number 10. We didn't look at a specific match, simply talked about the AFC uh, Women's Asian Cup. 
and then on to our bonus matches with explanations coming later. Tuesday was our route of the week, or at least it was scheduled to be. Postponed was the Welsh Premier League matchup that was to be number 12 Kevin Druids playing host to number one TNS. The most meaningless match in the world was a Wednesday match in Australia, A-League on the men's side, number seven Adelaide United playing host to number eight Western City Wanderers. That was postponed, seems to be a theme. And then finally from our match of Disappointed, another match that actually got played, a Sunday match. Germany's Bundesliga, number 17 Arminia uh, Bielefeld took on number 18 Gruther Firth. And as is usually the case with the match of Disappointed, no one won, but at least they were scoring. It was a 2-2 draw. And a little surprising, but that was good enough to move Arminia Bielefeld up into the relegation playoff slot number 16 instead of being in the relegation zone proper. And that wraps up your recap of last week's matches. Now let's get back to the current week's tracking with... Match number six. Back to Asia, this time for a top-flight domestic league match. We're headed to Thailand specifically for League One action. This is the number 13-ranked league in the AFC. That is down four in the brand-new rankings. Uh, Still, as of right now, they do get three total teams into the Champions League. And just like in Europe, they're about halfway through the season. Matchup is a good one. Number one, Borough Ram United taking on number B, Bangkok United. Borough Ram lead Bangkok by two in the table, and then Bangkok in turn lead three other teams by four. So it'll probably be these two, but that is there are a lot of other teams that are waiting for somebody to fall off a little bit. Earlier this season, when Bangkok got to host, they won the match 2-0. But Borough Ram uh, have dominated them recently, have a 12-3-3 record in the last 18. And we will talk about them first. And they are known as, I love this, the Thundercastles. Uh, Borough Ram, the city, is about 200 miles northeast of Bangkok, which is uh, in the east-southeast part of the country. Area of only 30,000. It's very agricultural, but they also do a fair bit of tourism, and that is mostly due to uh, Phnom Rung Historical Park. And in fact, uh, the very beautiful small castle that is on the crest is from this historical park. They've got a couple of different European affiliations. Uh, I believe it has to do with uh, trading out players or something to do with training uh, youth players. They have an affiliation with Dortmund. And then they also have one with uh, Leicester City in England. And that is more of kind of giving Leicester City as a, uh, first rights for uh, rights to a first look at their best players, sort of to drive their players to Europe in general. Here in Asia, they have made nine Champions League appearances. 2013 was the best they've ever done. Made the quarterfinals that time. They did not, unfortunately, get to play in the 2021 Champions League, despite having finished in second place at the end of the year. Uh, The teams that qualified... Uh, for it were based on the 2021 season, yes, but only on the results from the first half of the season, and that was because everything had been mucked up schedule-wise due to COVID, and at that time, they were not in a Champions League slot in the table, unfortunately. They have won seven league titles before, though, and all of those between 2008 and 18. This year, offense is top three, but the defense is where they're shining. Uh, They're giving up only just over a goal every other match on average. Key folks to look for. Number three scorer in the league is theirs, Supachai uh, Chaded. He's a forward, 23 years old. Despite his young age, he's actually been playing senior ball here since 2016, and he's made 26 national team appearances since 2018. 
And then tied for number one in assists in the league is Samuel Rosa, Brazilian striker. If you're an LA Galaxy fan, you may recognize his name. Way back in 2014, uh, the Brazilian club that he was with, Fluminense, loaned him to uh, LAG. He only made eight appearances for that team, though. But this team no longer has his services. He was actually just loaned out to, oddly enough to me, number 14 team in the league, Samut Prekan City. So it'll be interesting to see who's going to be setting up uh, Super Chai now. And they also have the uh, tied for the number one goalkeeper in the league, uh, Siwarak Tetsunyon. He's 37 years old, very long in the soccer tooth. Been with this club since all the way back in 2010. He's also made better than a couple dozen national team appearances, but I don't think any of those have been since like 2017. Team's current form, they have won three straight games with a 9-1 and goal differential in those. And now your challengers, Bangkok United, known as the Angels. They play out of the Patum Thani province, which is north of Bangkok proper, but part of the overall greater metro area. They've only won the league title once. That was in 2006. They didn't get past the group stage the following year. And then they have only made two other Champions League appearances. Both those times uh, they had to start in and did not get past the preliminary qualifying round. Last year, they finished in fifth place in the league. This year, uh, top three offense. But again, the defense, this could be very much a defensive battle. These are the only two teams allowing fewer than a goal, uh, one goal every other match, in fact. A key player to look for, tied for number four in league scoring, is Haberty, a Brazilian winger, 33 years old. And then they've got three players on the assist leaderboard, including Haberty. As far as this team's current form, uh, they are... They uh, have a draw and a loss in their last two, and those matches broke a four-match winning streak they had going. Match number seven. That takes care of the weekend. New Bites, you get Monday off a well-earned break, and now Tuesday for our seventh match, headed down down under to Australia for an A-League women's great matchup. Uh, This is the second-ranked league in all of the AFC, ranked number 11 in FIFA worldwide, about halfway through there. Uh, somewhat short season, to be honest. The top six are going to make the playoffs. And your matchup is number three, Melbourne Victory, playing host to number one, Sydney FC. Here's how the table looks. Uh, your traditional power, Sydney, uh, they had 19. Melbourne City are in between at 15. And then Melbourne Victory have 12. Uh, And by the way, Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory do have a match in hand. I'm not sure that's going to be quite enough to help them catch Sydney FC. But if they can, it all starts today for Melbourne Victory. And the series has been very uh, fairly even recently. Uh, The record between them has been 3-1-3. and We'll start with the Challengers, sort of, even though they're at home, Melbourne Victory. They were founded in 2008. Uh, Interestingly, they did get to play sometimes, but sometimes only, at the AAMI, which is uh, the stadium where the A-League men's counterpart team plays. But they actually split their time between three different grounds, is my understanding. Last year, they finished number three in the regular season, and in the playoffs, they were the champions. Uh, They also won the playoff championships in uh, 2013-14, And then in 2018-19, they won uh, the Premiership, which is their name for the regular season title. They also got to play two years ago, well, three years ago now, I guess, 2019, the AFC Women's Club Championship, basically a Champions League of sorts, although I want to say they only invited something like four teams. And it was the first ever edition of that and then they did do it again uh, last year. And they went 0-1-2 in that particular event. 
This year, domestically, they've got a top three offense scoring over two times per game. But the defense is what has uh, been the cause of what little struggle they've had. They're tied for number six just in that regard, below average, giving up over two goals per match. So they've only got the fourth best overall goal differential because of that. Got some USA connections and their key players for this team. Top 10 league scorer, Lynn Williams from the U.S. She plays forward for them. Uh, wasn't with them very long. It was just a month-long loan. I didn't even know that was a thing. But we're going to be able to see her again here stateside shortly. She was with uh, the very good North Carolina Courage, and now she will get to play with the Kansas City team, which just rebranded uh, for their second year as the Kansas City Current. She's played for the USWNT 45 different times. We've also got another top 10 league score in Catherine Zimmerman playing for them. She is a homegrown product down there, but the USA connection is that she has played before for Sky Blue, which I believe now is New York, New Jersey, Gotham FC in the NWSL here in the U.S. And then we've also got a USA defender named Kayla Morrison. As far as the team's current form, they just beat 8th place Western Sydney Wanderers to break a two-match losing streak. And now, Sydney, you're likely champions, to be honest. Don't need to say too much about them. They were founded in 2008 as well. Uh, they've won the regular season title, the Premiership, three different times, and they are the defending champions. They've also won the playoffs three different times, most recently 2018-19. They are undefeated this year, and why not with a 23-1 to goal differential? Yeah, they're going to hoist the trophy. And the gal who will probably get to touch it first is the second best league scorer for them, Mackenzie Hawksby. Match number eight. On to Thursday for a World Cup qualifying match from here in CONCACAF, our federation. And here to give his thoughts is Captain Matt Turner, one of the team's top two goalies, that being the U.S. men's national team, of course. He shares yet another Revolutionary War era missive that he wrote on Twitter. Very popular there. Suggest you follow him. And he shares it with his thoughts on the team and upcoming match for us here. Serving on the back lines of the U.S. men's national team. For old glory. For my countrymen. In defense of the states. Dearest father. The solstice elapsed. Yuletide merriment ceased. We convene once more in Ohio's River Valley to resume our advancement. Only now, Mother Nature is unrelenting. The men are pierced by her churlish tirade. Only a Salvadoran defeat will warm our britches. Thank you, Captain. And now a little bit more on the match with the CONCACAF World Cup qualification of the eight teams in that. The top three are going to advance straight to the World Cup. And the fourth place finisher, when all is said and done, will get to play in an intercontinental playoff match, which is going to be against, uh, for us, the winner of the Oceanic Football Confederation uh, qualifiers, which is going to be New Zealand now that Australia has joined the Asian Federation. They have played eight of the 14 matches in the double round robin for this event. And currently number B in the table, USA, will be taking on surprising last place, Honduras. It's going to be at the uh, probably frigid uh, lower.com field in Columbus. Here's to hoping everyone can keep their britches warm one way or another, no matter how the match turns out, Captain Turner. Uh, the USA, by the way, currently lead number four Panama in the table and number three Mexico by just one point. Things are very, very close. They lead Costa Rica by six. So 
Canada, Mexico, the U.S., and Honduras are almost certainly going to be uh, your top four. It's just going to be a question of order. Honduras, meanwhile, they're not mathematically out of it by any stretch with six matches to go, but they trail Panama by 11 points. Long way to climb. Uh, the U.S. went to Honduras and dominated them in one-to-four fashion for the score when they played the first time. Uh, by the way, Honduras is the number five rated league probably in CONCACAF, at least by the unofficial sources that I use, and rated number 62 by FIFA. And uh, U.S. at the at the time that they were, uh, the seedings that they used for this, cited for to the beginning of the event, I think it's changed. Uh, the USA was uh, considered uh, the second best team in CONCACAF behind Mexico and rated number 22 by FIFA. Match number nine. Our last two are, of course, Thursday matches as well, since our soccer week for this show runs Friday through Thursday. We're off to Europe for it. Belgium, the first division A, which is the number 13 ranked league in all of Europe. That is down four from a year ago. Uh, They got passed up by Scotland in uh, the red hot uh, Serbian league. As far as this one goes, the top four finishers at the end of the regular season, which is a double round Robin, uh, will get to go to the playoff one. And what that means is they are going to fight over two champions league berths, one Europa league berth and one Europa conference league berth. They'll just play a little mini double round Robin amongst themselves. What I find interesting, it's not unique, but it is somewhat rare. The points from the regular season are not going to carry over. Everybody starts at zero. In any case, your matchup is number B, Club Brugge. That's your traditional power. Taking on number one currently, Union Saint. Here we go, French. Uh, Gilloise, G-I-L-L-O-I-S-E. Commonly abbreviated USG, thankfully for me. So USG lead Club Brugge by nine. The regular season title. uh, It's not quite decided, but if Brugge don't get three points here, I think you can call uh, their goose cooked in that particular regard. Though they're definitely going to make the top four. At least it's pretty much looking that way. They lead number five, Yent, by eight points. Club Brugge did get the win earlier this season uh, when they were on the road against USG, a nil-one win. They've only played twice in recent years. Brugge won both of those. Get more of an explanation on why they faced each other so little when we get to USG. But first, your home team, Club Brugge, they have won 17 league titles, and they are your two-time defending champions. Their best international play finishes in Europe. Uh, The Champions League and Europa League, they finish as runners-up in both of those, but you've got to go back to the 70s for when they did that well. Uh, More recently, this year, they finished in last place in the group stage, uh, but usually the last few years, they tend to finish, get to the group stage, finish number three, and then they usually uh, get knocked out in like the uh, first knockout round, the round of 32 in the Europa League, just to give some perspective on where they are in uh, compared to a lot of the other good teams in Europe. This year in league play, they've got the third best offense, scoring almost two per match. Uh, the defense is the reason that they're not leading the league. They're barely above average in that regard. Uh, They have two players on the scoring leaderboard. I'll talk a little bit about one because I believe he's their all-around best player, and that is uh, Charla de uh, Catelar. It looks like Charles de Catelar, but I'm really trying to get it right. Charla de Catelar. In any case, he's 20 years old, plays uh, center forward. He's got 10 goals and six assists on the season, doing very well for such a youngster. And he is recognized for doing so well because he's also already got four national team caps to his credit. Uh, he's been with this club since 2019 playing senior ball. I think he started when he was 17. He is a poacher. 
all 10 of his goals have been from inside the box. And to be perfectly honest, all the rest of his stats I looked at, not that great. So pretty sure he is simply a, bo- a poacher. And that's fine. Plenty of room for those guys. Uh, not sure how long he's going to be with this team. He's been rumored for a couple of years to be going uh, to various other big clubs in even bigger Western European countries. The most recent teams that he's been tied to by rumor have been Chelsea and uh, Leicester City in the Premier League. Number one in assists in the league is Noah Lang. Another uh uh, he is actually from the Netherlands, 22-year-old winger. He came up with Ajax, uh, who are very much known for their development of young players. And we have a USA connection with Owen Odesawi. He's a midfielder, 21 years old is all. Came up through Wolverhampton over in England. Uh, he did make their senior roster, but only made a few appearances. And then he came over here just last August. I don't think he's made an appearance for them yet. And he won't in this game, to be honest. I believe he's out with COVID right now. But whatever it is, he is out with something. And he has, by the way, earned one USA national team cap despite his young age. That was two years ago. He was born in New York, but he's actually, uh, through family lineage on both sides, he is uh, he could make a switch still, I believe, to either England or Nigeria. And something I hope that his uh, teammates give him a hard time about. He's also a part-time professional model uh, for an outfit called uh, Burberry, which uh, I was not familiar with. Maybe you are. It's an English luxury fashion house. And then one more USA connection. They've got a player with with whom I'm not familiar at all, Mauricio Cuevas. He's a defender just 18 years old. Uh, He spent three years... I believe, uh, with LAFC. Uh, I got a hard time believing that as a a younger team that he was getting rostered uh, by the senior LAFC team. So he might have been with their reserve side. And he just came over here, like I think within the last several weeks uh, to this team. He has done some work for the U.S. men's national team, but not the senior team. He made a few app appearances for them. Uh, back in 2019, the under-17s. This team's current form, uh, they are one and two in the last three. And before that, they really hadn't played non-friendly since basically Christmas. And now the team that might be a little bit more uh, mysterious to some of us, uh, they USG, they play in the Brussels area out of a town that in English we would pronounce Forest. I believe it's uh, pronounced very different in uh, French and Flemish. And they're very popular with the French and Flemish speakers in the uh, in the country, and that is because they are from uh, the south side of the Greater Brussels area, where the French and Flemish speakers are. Uh, this is one of the most decorated teams in the country's history, and yet still a mystery at the very least to me. And that's because all eleven of their titles were pre World War II. They won them between 1904 and 1935. They just got promoted back. They won uh, the second division last year, uh, and it's their first time in the top flight in nearly 50 years. So welcome back, USG. And I have a feeling this might have something to do with this guy and maybe the money he's pumping in. Uh, In 2018, Tony Bloom, who is the chairman of uh, the Premier League's team, Brighton and Hove Albion, he bought uh, the majority shares of this team. So I have a feeling he has mixed things up and given them cash infusions. Uh, the team has the number one offense in the league and defense. Uh, they've got the guy who is tied for number one in league scoring and in the top four for assists in uh, Denis Undov, a uh, 
guy with Turkish lineage, but he is German-born, a forward. And it's interesting that he's doing so darn well because this is the first time I think he's ever played in the top flight of any league anywhere. Uh, 2018 through 20, his most recent team was Meppen, which is in the third tier over in Germany. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! And we're heading back to Asia one more time. This time, the men's side of things. It's AFC World Cup qualifying, which is in its third round. Uh, the current round, it is two groups of six. The top two from each of the groups will advance automatically to the World Cup. And then the number three finishers will play one more round just against each other for the right to play the number five team from Kanma Bowl. Yes, another uh, intercontinental playoff. And the matchup we're going to look at is number four, Lebanon, versus number B, South Korea, in the Group A table. They've each just got four matches left in this double round, Robin, for the group. Here's how the table looks. Uh, South Korea, they don't have too much to worry about. They have 14 points. Uh, United Arab Emirates are currently in third with six, and Lebanon have five. Technically, all the teams in this group are still alive to, at the very least, get a second-place finish and go straight to the World Cup. But realistically speaking, uh, the UAE, Lebanon, and the others, they're battling it out for third for that ICPO berth. As far as the recent series between these two teams, South Korea have had the best of it with a 6-2-1 record, but we will look at Lebanon first. They are known as the Cedars. That is their that tree is their national emblem, in fact. They are the 12th rated team in Asia, rated number 86 by FIFA Worldwide, have never been to the World Cup. In fact, they've only even ever qualified uh, for the Asian Cup proper, made it to the group stage uh, twice, although they did it most recently in 2019. This year, they have a 1-2-3 and three record in this group stage going with a 4-6 and six goal differential. All-around best player for them to look for in the box score is Mohamed Ali Dahani. He's actually a Swedish-born guy, plays central defensive midfielder, but he's a box-to-box guy. He's excellent with passing, excellent with ball retention, does very good dribbling, so he can get it. I don't know that he'll accumulate any real offensive stats like you know goals or assists, but he can definitely help set, set things up. And just to give some perspective, because a lot of the South Korean guys play all over their world, including in Europe, uh, this guy is probably their best player, and he plays for a club in the second division in Sweden. I'm not saying that's bad, but this is a team that's still uh, developing, let's just say. As far as their current form, they just beat Sudan in December, and that broke a four-match losing streak for them across all competitions. And in the losing streak, they only managed one goal. They're going to need some offense against South Korea. The Tigers, they have been to nine straight World Cups, in fact. Best finish they've ever had was fourth place. That was in 2002. In 2018, they made it as far as the group stage for that. In this event's group stage, uh, they are 4-2-0 with an 8-2 goal differential. They trail only number one Iran in the group. Top player for them, I believe we all know him, uh, Hyung Min Son for Tottenham Hotspur. He has managed six goals already in this event. Another key player for them, I think, is going to be a veteran uh, striker for them. 33 years old, Kim Shin Wook. He plays for Lion City Sailors, uh, which was just bought within the last couple of years by a uh, some billionaire. And so they changed the name if you're not familiar with it. I don't even remember what the old one was. But he's got uh, six goals for them in league play moderately early on there. 
And we have a USA connection. Uh, they've got somebody who plays right back and some midfield for, midfield for them in Kim Moon Hwan, and he plays for LAFC. He's also earned 14 national caps since 2018. Now, to be honest, I don't think he's rostered right now, but take that with a grain of salt. In any case, as far as the team, they've got four straight wins, and they are unbeaten in their last 11. Bring forth the bonus matches. And our bonus matches are always user voted upon, and we had record voting for the bonus matches this time. Thank you so much for doing that. My Twitter handle, by the way, is Soccer Noob USA. if you would like to engage our show there. The first matchup we're going to look at is called the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And this is one that did not get voted on because there wasn't a single candidate match from any top flight league anywhere in the world. So after doing that extensive search, I just kept looking around at various random lower divisions until I found a first versus last place matchup. The one I found is a Friday match from Liga TDP, which is the fourth division, very much an amateur one in Mexico. At this level, there are 17 geographically oriented groups. Uh, the matchup that we're going to look at, the teams are all from the greater Mexico City area. This is one of the larger of the groups in the country. The top seven out of these 16 will all advance to the Laguila de Ascenso, which is promotion playoffs. They're trying to get up to the third division. By the way, there doesn't happen to be any relegation out of this particular level. And they're about halfway through their double round robin regular season. Your matchup is number one, Mouches. And by the way, it's spelled M-U-X-E-S, and they are taking on number 16, last place, Vio de Gico, X-I-C-O. Here's how the table looks. Mouches lead second place Cuervos Blancos by four. Uh, meanwhile, de Gico, they trail a team called R-Reyes by four. And the really fascinating club here is the home one, in my opinion. We'll look at them first. Mouches, they were founded in 2018. And if that word, if you know any uh, Spanish at all, or specifically Mexican Spanish, then that term, Mouche, may ring a bell. This is the first Mexican club ever created, found in 2018, to represent the LGBT community. And by the way, I know here at the very least in the U.S., we tend to include more letters in that acronym. That simply LGBT is the way that I found it in the source. So I'm just going to go with that and hope that you will forgive me if I'm supposed to be including more. In any case, uh, the term is uh, largely thought to be from the indigenous Zapotec community, which I think is the second largest indigenous uh, community or people in the country. This is as opposed to the Mestizo people or peoples that are also indig indigenous. And the term Mouche uh, is basically for those people, as I understand it, considered a third gender, exactly on par with male or female. And essentially Essentially, it refers to males who uh, dress up as females, or sometimes at the very least, they just wear makeup. And uh, socially, they tend to take on a variety of roles. They might take on traditional male roles, which with that community is jewelry making by and large, or they might take on more traditional female uh, household work roles, as I understand it. Now, uh, where they play is an area, a borough called 
Venustiano Carranza, an area of about 450,000. This is an east-northeast borough, uh, one of 16 boroughs in the greater uh, Mexico City area. It's in the part that used to be under Lake uh, Texcoco before that dried up, I want to say in the 70s. Uh, also, interesting side note about this area. In 2011, a 50-meter torta was built in under four minutes, which I don't know if it was for size or time or both. I, I got to think the time was involved, but that was a, a Guinness World Record at the time. I got to think it still stands. Who's trying to make tortas that big anymore? In any case, last year they finished in fifth in their group, got to go to the Laguila de Ascenso where they made the round of 16. This year, absolutely dominant, 13-1-0 and is a record with an astounding 47-1 to goal differential. Scoring leaderboard for them, they've got a guy who's doing the best. Alan Delgado has got 11 goals already. Now, Valle de Chico, I wasn't able to find too much on them, to be perfectly honest, but I do know that they are also known uh, as AC Esmeralda. I don't know why they have two names listed, though. Uh, they play in the borough of uh, Tultitlan. There's also a municipality called Tultitlan. I don't know if they play in that exact municipality or if it's in more of the region. In any case, it is a truly northern borough of about a half a million people. Uh, they just have a 1-2-12 and 12 record on the season, so yeah, they're probably getting their butt kicked. Uh, the defense... It's not at the very bottom, but they're only averaging one goal per match, and they got the worst defense by quite a bit. Uh, they allow over three goals per match on average. And the team's current form, no surprise here, they have lost 11 straight. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. <laughs> yes. As we do every week, we're going to celebrate two teams from right about in the middle of their standings. The one that you have voted on is a Sunday match from the Netherlands, the Eredivisie. This is the seventh-ranked league in Europe. They get two Champions League uh, berths, two Europa Conference League berths. On the other end of the spectrum, two teams are going to get relegated. The third-to-last place team, number 16, uh, will have to play in a relegation playoff match. And these two teams... Eh, probably aren't going to get a sniff of uh, either end of the table. Number 13, Heracles versus number 12, Go Ahead Eagles. Probably ain't nobody else talking about them. That's why we're going to shine a light on them. Go Ahead Eagles currently, currently trailed number seven, Combour, by nine. Seventh place is the very last uh, slot in the table that at the end of the year we'll get a chance to play uh, in a playoff for one of those Europa Conference League berths. They lead Heracles by two in the table. And then Heracles lead number 16, that's that RPO spot, Sparta-Rotterdam by five. As far as the series between these two recently, Heracles have a 6-1-2 and two record, but it was go-ahead Eagles that won when they got to play host earlier in the season, and it was a shootout, 4-2. to two. We'll talk about Heracles first, or more fully, Heracles-Almelo, Almelo being the city they are from. It's in the east-central part of the country, a little under 75,000 people probably. Uh, perhaps most famous in the area, uh, biggest employer anyway, is their uranium enrichment plant. I wish a club like this would have the guts to uh, call themselves the Yellow Cakes, but that's just me and my odd sense of humor, perhaps. Uh, they've been, uh, they're a bit of a yo-yo team, but they've been back in Division One since 2012. They've got two league titles to their credit, but <laughs> it's been a long time and then some. You've got to go back about 80 
years and a century to find both of those titles. They've only made one international appearance, I believe, and that was the Europa League one in 2016-17. Last year, they finished in ninth place. This year, uh, the offense has been the problem. They're well below average in that regard, but the defense has been above average. Best all-around player they've got is a fellow named Rye Flute. I'm hoping I'm getting pronunciation right because the spellings aren't particularly close, at least for me as an English speaker. He plays central midfielder for them. Uh, He tends to be somewhat offensively oriented. Uh, His passing is okay. He's really good with his dribbling and setting things up and his shooting accuracy. He hasn't done a lot of it, but he's only taken six shots, but gotten three of them in. So that's pretty good. Doesn't have any assists on the year though. And as we always do with this particular match, we like to look for the most average or quote unquote meaningless player on the team. And my belief is that it is Mats. Newster. He is a center back, 23 years old. Pretty good stats across the board, if not all time great, to be honest. But I think the issue that keeps holding him back is uh, he's only blocked three shots on the year. And that's just not a lot for a center back. And by the way, we do have a USA connection with this team. They've got a 23-year-old midfielder named Luca Del Torre. Uh, He came up through Fulham in the Premier League, and he has earned four uh, national team caps for the U.S. before. Team's current form, they are 1-2-0 in their last three. And now for the team that I think is the reason so many of you voted for it. I know there's a number of people who engage with us who like the teams with the cooler, unusual names. Usually you see stuff like this in South America, but here they have a team in the Netherlands called Go Ahead Eagles. They are from the city of Daventer, which is in the same part of the country as Heracles. So this is a bit of a rivalry. If this uh, name means anything to you in a non-soccer way, it is probably for their honey cakes. They are famous for them, uh, market them, I believe, throughout Europe, and they've been making these in more or less the same way for over 500 years. City of Daventer, by the way, not a huge one, only about 100,000. And they were started not with this name, but another name that's uh, equally strange-seeming me. They were called Be Quick. And then at some point they became Go Ahead. And then I believe it was when a new owner came on board in the early 70s. But regardless, it was in 71, yes, that they added Eagles to now uh, the full name that they've had since then. They've won four titles before, but uh, just like their opponents today, long time ago, pre-World War II, 1916 through 33 was when they picked those up. They did make a Europa League appearance. Uh, only in the first round was all 2015-16. That's the only appearance they've made in decades. This has very much been a yo-yo club for the last 10 years. In fact, they just got re-promoted. They finished in second place in the second division last year. This year, the stats sort of back up that they're more likely to go uh, further down the table than up. Uh, They've only got the number uh, 15 offense, 14 defense. All-around best player they've got going is a Spanish right winger, Inigo Cordoba. He's got six goals and an assist. Uh, He spent three and a half years with Athletic Club over uh, back home in La Liga for him. And he's also made two national team appearances for him, although that was uh, four or five years ago. Uh, He's a pretty darn good shooter as far as his accuracy, Uh, dribbler, but not much of a passer, to be perfectly honest, which is a little bit surprising to me for a winger. But their most average player, most meaningless, if you will, is probably Jay Idzace. He's their 21-year-old center back, so he's got plenty of time in his career to become uh, less meaningless, hopefully better and not the other direction. 
His passing is okay, but for a center back, he needs to tackle a lot more, and he's just got one blocked shot on the year. But I'm guessing that's just because he's so young and maybe is still uh, packing on a few pounds of muscle. As far as the team's current form, three straight losses, and with a nil uh, 0-6 goal differential over that stretch. But their last match, they did just win an FA Cup match versus another top-flight club, Hirenveen. And now it's time for our very last match of the podcast. This is the match of Disappointed! And it is two god-awful teams that you have voted on because those were the only choices you had, quite frankly. It's a Saturday match from La Liga in Spain where three teams of their 20 are going to get relegated and these two look like candidates to me. Number 20, Levante, playing host to number 19, Cadiz. Cadiz still has a little bit of hope. They're only a couple of points from safety, uh, but Levante are nine points from getting out of the relegation zone. They are buried. The recent series between these two, it's almost like nobody's capable of winning. It's almost been all draws. Levante have a one and six record in the last couple, three years. Uh, Cadiz, to that end, earned a 1-1 draw at home when they played earlier this season. Levante, we'll talk about them first. The Frogs. Yeah, not exactly the most intimidating mascot in the world. Perhaps appropriate for a team at the bottom of the table. Uh, They are based in the Valencia region of Spain. They were relegated back in 2015-16, so they're used to sucking. But then they bounced right back, so we're stuck with them again. Uh, 2011-12, they did pretty well. They finished number six. That's the best finish they've had in at least 20 years. They even made the Europa League round of 16. Ah, the froggy halcyon days for them. Last year, they finished in 14th. This year, in this match, courtesy of a 1-8-11 abysmal record. Now, the offense is bad, but the defense is the worst. They give up over two goals per match. They do have at least one reasonably quality player on the league assist leaderboard is Jorge de Frutos. He plays winger for him. He spent a couple of seasons with Real Madrid's B-side. Wasn't good enough quite, I guess, to get to the senior team, but I'm sure he would love to be back with Real Madrid b or C, or D, or P, or Q, or anywhere but where he is probably right now. But the worst player that they have, we always do this with this match, in my opinion, is 21-year-old center forward Alejandro Contero. We are going to call you to task, young man, because we do not accept the excuse of youth or any other excuses here at Team Noob. I mean, you've made 15 appearances. You've only even shot the dang ball three times. No goals, No assists. Are you earning a check? Is this a volunteer position? We're not sure. As far as the team's current form, they are 1-0-2 in their last three. And now the nearly as bad team from Cadiz. That is in the Andalusian part of the country, which is an autonomous region in the south of Spain. Cadiz itself is a southwest port city of maybe 120,000. It's on a little sliver of land that juts out to the northwest back into the ocean. Now, if you're familiar with this team for anything, or this area for anything other than it's apparently really bad soccer, it might be because of their very well-reputed Carnival. And I discovered that they have something I was not familiar with called Chirigotas. Now, what is a Chirigota? It's a group of satirical storytellers that perform in the streets all over the place. Uh, It's usually like 7 to 12 people, and uh, it's uh, mostly singing. They do some narrating talking, but it's a lot of singing. It's very much in the 
style, as you're hearing behind me right now, hopefully, of a barbershop or mariachi. Um, as you listen to this, really note the tight harmonies that they have in common with those other uh, musical styles. But what really sets them apart is the instrumentation. It's very specific. It's usually just a guitar, a bass drum, and a kazoo, and maybe other noisemakers that are similar to kazoos. And that is it. Just fascinating. As far as the footy, they are known as the Pirates. These last two years that they've been in La Liga are their first since they spent a single season up here in 2005-2006. And they are not used to these rarefied airs, the key being rare. They have only spent 14 of their 111-year history in the top flight. Last year, they finished in 12th place. This year, not so much so. The 2-9 and 10 record is probably going to see them sent down to the Segunda division. Uh, pretty similar stats to Levante. They're a little bit worse on offense, a little bit better on defense. And actually, to that end, I mean, when he's not good, he must be very, very bad. But they do have, in terms of at least clean sheets, the fourth best goalkeeper in the whole league, Jeremias uh, Ledzima who is from Argentina. He's actually here on loan from a team, uh, Rosaria Central, the Rabble. I like their nickname. Uh, but their worst player, who's made over a dozen appearances at least, is Ruben Sabrino. Now, they're center forward, kind of unusual. We're used to seeing uh, goalkeepers being the worst statistical ones for this match. But it's been guys who are supposed to be more offensively minded this particular week. He spent his longest stint with Alaves in La Liga. Uh, he's got an assist on the ear, so he's better than a other guy we were talking about, but still no goals. In fact, uh, shots on goal, he has only tried 10 times, not real good. And then he's only got uh, one of his 12 crosses have been considered accurate statistically. So he's not providing them much of anything. And as far as their current form, they are 0-2-1 in their last three. And because those two teams are probably going to go down, we're not going to waste our well wishes on them as we would other teams that we celebrate throughout these podcasts, but rather we will send them off in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. boo. And yeah, that's really how we end it every week. Thank you very much to the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. To Dan, the former Interno Inferno, always on fire with his creative efforts and help. And of course, to my daughter, Purse Noob, thank you so much for helping me as you do every week. Appreciate you on the countdown duties and everything else that you contribute. And thank you to you very much for listening. Appreciate it. We always endeavor to create something unique, and we hope that you will pass it on to your footy-minded friends. Until we do it again in a few days, hope you have a fabulous football week. Take care.